Author Paul David Tripp states that built into us is a desire to make sense out of life, and to do so, we need to be aware of two important things. What is God doing right now, right here, and what should I do to respond to what God is doing? It's that second idea in particular that I want to look at today. How should we respond? So in Wednesday's chapel, I left you uh, with, I gave you my story, we talked about your story, and then I left you with three questions. Is your vision for your life too small and too safe? Is it time to make a decision about your own relationship with Christ? And how are you using your time, talents, and treasures for eternal kingdom impact? I hope you've taken some time to reflect on these questions. I encourage you to dwell on them, to pray about them, to discuss them with people you trust. See, these are critical life questions that affect each one of our stories, questions with answers that affect the next step of life, every chapter of your life that follows. As we think about how we respond to what God is doing here and now, we're going to come, go back to the, uh, the primary questions I mentioned on Wednesday. What is missions and why do it? What does a missions lifestyle look like? And what if God is calling me to do something outside the box, or more specifically outside my box or your box? So let's start with the why of missions. Is missions just for a select few super spiritual people or those that love exotic travel and and, uh, exotic food? The Bible talks about missions directly and indirectly in a lot of places. I want to look at Psalm 96 this morning. So if you'll actually stand with me and we're going to read this aloud. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Thank you. You can be seated. Let's look again at verse 3. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. And of course, there's the Great Commission given by Jesus in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there's our why. It's an imperative, a command, an act of obedience as believers and followers of Christ. We're to declare God's glory and marvelous deeds to the world. We are to go and make disciples everywhere, baptize them, teach them. It's an act of gratitude for what Christ has done for us and an act of generosity so that others can experience for themselves what Christ offers. It's not just for us. And as you've probably heard before, the Great Commission contains a promise. And surely I am with you always. But what is missions? We often think of missions as going to some foreign place and declaring the gospel or meeting a physical need. I'm going to argue today that it's about living a life on mission wherever God has placed you. Let me tell you the story about the first, one of the first great missionaries I ever met. Mike worked in a huge corporate office in Chicago, suburban Chicago. Now, that's not the first place you'd think of, at least not I would think of for a missionary, right? But that's where I met him before I moved to France. Mike was an IT guy. He worked on the computer systems of a huge store chain. But while designing and modifying software was how he earned a living, he knew his calling was more than that. Mike clearly saw that his mission field was the 6,000 people that he worked with in that building. So how was Mike a missionary in corporate America? Not only did he do his job with integrity, by working hard and honestly, he treated everyone with respect and love. Even more than that, he watched for opportunities, even made opportunities, to respectfully tell coworkers what God had done in his life and to be able to share the gospel with them. He did it naturally and without pretense. He was not timid or embarrassed. Neither was he preaching at everyone he met. He organized and led lunchtime Bible studies. He invited people into relationships. Mike wasn't a Bible pounder. He wasn't obnoxious or pushy. He was just sharing God's love as he lived the life God had given him. He was living intentionally and with purpose. He shared God's marvelous deeds and he taught people. Now, I doubt Mike ever thought of himself as a missionary. I don't think he went to seminary. I know he didn't work for a missions agency. But God used him where he was because he was faithful and obedient. The world needs more mics. People that live a life on mission, wherever that is. People that live with clarity of purpose and intentionality. People that declare God's deeds and glory, that teach and disciple, that invest in others' lives. Lawyers, policemen, politicians, people in corporate America, pastors, scientists, doctors, nurses, artists, parents at school meetings, coaches, these are all places and roles that God can use in a mighty way to affect people's lives in the world. Roles that with just a bit of intentionality can, be, can help people to understand that they're valued children of God. That God knows them and loves them personally. That he offers his grace and forgiveness freely and generously, no matter what your story or background may be. Now, there's some people that God does call to do missions as a vocation. It may be to places that very, there's very little gospel witness to be salt and light in the culture to serve the smaller body of Christ. That's my story. So I'm going to give you a few stats today. I'm going to give you an example of the situation that I see in my context in France. And this is pretty similar in most countries in Europe. So Emma and Trey, why don't you come on up here, please? 
Got some prizes for you, yes? Okay, these are very exclusive, limited edition, Greater Europe Mission t-shirts. You gotta know somebody to get one of these. All right. I wanna spread these across the room. Go for it, let's see who's got the better arm. Not a whoa! Hey! <laughs> well done, thank you. Let's give him a round of applause. All right. Now, if you got a purple shirt, I'd like you to stand up, please. Who has the purple shirts? One, two, three, four, five. Excellent. Nice shot. All right. So stay standing up if you have the purple shirts, please, for just a minute. So look around the room here. When we first moved to France 15 years ago, 0.6% of the population were evangelical believers. That's what these five people represent approximately out of this room. Okay, now the rest of you that got a t-shirt, they think they're kind of blue t-shirts, could you stand up as well please? So everybody who's got a t-shirt, stand up. All right, two up there, good. There should be nine of you. Good, thank you. All right, so now this is really good news. 10 years later, the number of evangelical Christians in France had almost doubled. 1.1%. That's actually pretty phenomenal growth. But, as you can see, that leaves a lot of people who don't know Christ. And in my experience, the, the far majority of the other 98.9% .9 of France has never really been exposed to the gospel or personally known a believer. No one has ever, probably ever prayed for them. My, in my kids' high school, as an example, of over 1,200 students they knew of two other believers. Y'all can sit down. Thank you very much. Enjoy the shirts. Now, for my wife and I, God took us to France. It was a combination of an invitation, God clearly opening some doors, and the circumstances and experience that God had taken us through. It's been an amazing opportunity to see God working through us and around us Something I don't think I ever would have seen if I would have stayed in my safe zone. So I told you about Mike. Let me share some other examples of what life on mission looks like and why it's important. Planning for how to share the gospel and help others to grow toward knowing and understanding Christ is important. For example, several of our colleagues have opened cafes and offer Bible studies to reach the community. Let me read you a story from my colleague Tina, who wrote about some interactions at a cafe she helps run as an outreach. Rebecca is a 17-year-old young lady who has begun attending our ladies' Bible study on Fridays. She volunteered in our church cafe and interacted with our summer interns about what it means to follow Jesus. Rebecca was introduced to God's love through our gym summer intern, Sarah. Rebecca has made a decision to follow Christ and has been discipled by a number of our ladies in the church and is engaged with our Bible studies. Rebecca is hungry for the word and is blessing the older women in our small group, including Anne, who I'll mention in a second. Recently, Rebecca said that when she read 1 Corinthians 15, it was such good news, she wanted to share it with her whole class. Now, Anne is a retired single woman who lives down the street from the church and our community cafe. Weekly, she has walked by desiring to visit for some companionship. One afternoon, 
As I was closing the cafe, she stopped in and shared her story. I invited her to the ladies' Bible study, and she is opening the Bible on her own for the very first time. She's praying daily, asking God to open her eyes to understand his word. God is transforming her heart from the darkness of depression and death to hope and life. So as you can see, this colleague very intentionally created and followed a plan and strategy to put their team in a position to be in the community and to share the gospel. They opened a cafe, they organized Bible studies, they created community, and they were ready when someone expressed interest. They put themselves in a place for God to use them. Yet other times, we need simply to be available and ready for God to move. My colleague Eric shares this. How often has someone without a church background asked you to be a disciple? I can't remember a time in my adult life, but it happened to me this past month. It happened towards the end of a coffee meeting. Awkwardly, fumbling for the right words, this guy said to Eric, one of the reasons I wanted to meet with you today was to ask if we could get together to, uh, well, maybe to talk about the Bible and some areas of my life and my marriage and see what the Bible has to say about them. I don't know if you ever do that type of thing with people, but if you have time, could we do that together? Of course, Eric said yes. So Eric continues, I must say, adding this will make my already full schedule fuller. But something Professor Hendricks always said sticks to me. If you're too busy for people, then something is wrong. Sometimes I think we try too hard and forget that God is always working on people's lives, even when we are not aware of it. Be available for the people God has entrusted to you, and don't compare yourself with what or how others are doing, or how much they're doing. Now, in this case, Eric knew who he was, what God had called him to do, and he was ready when opportunity presented itself. It's not up to us to convert people. Ultimately, that's between them and God. But God does use us to profoundly affect people's lives, to sow the seeds of the gospel message, to help people along in their spiritual journey. And as their life is impacted for good, they in turn impact others for good and for Christ. My heart, our heart, is that every person in Europe would have the opportunity to respond to the saving grace of Christ and know that they can be in personal relationship with him. What would that look like in your community, if, in your hometown, in your family? If every person there clearly heard, understood, and was affected by the message of forgiveness and salvation available in Christ. So what about you? Have you thought about what God is calling, to, calling you to do with your life? Or in the next five years? Or in the next semester? Do you feel like you, have, do you, feel like you know? Do you have any ideas? Have you asked God about it? Another question. What would a mission lifestyle look like for you, whether overseas or in your hometown? Let's talk about this. What should you do if you think maybe, just maybe, God is whispering something to you? If he's urging you to get out of your preconceived box? <clears throat> My recommendation, first, embrace it. The fear, the excitement, all of it. Accept the challenge. Be willing to think outside your box, to rethink your expectations of what life should 
look like? Remember, God never gives us more than we can handle. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows where you will thrive and where you will become the best and most he's made you to be. If you want your life to matter, listen well. Next, do something. You know, I think we all get caught up in the, in the trap of thinking about it. Well, I'm thinking about it. Take one small step. Talk to someone about it. Ask questions. Do some research. Go see things for yourself. Give it a small try. Then, get ready to do some hard things. Get ready for a new depth of relationships. Like Nicole, as she mourned with women in Greece. Get ready for unexpected adventure, like my colleagues who helped quell a riot of refugees. Again, we talked about this on the other day. How do you know when God is speaking? So quick refresher, the five C's. Commanding scripture, does it agree with the Bible? Controlling spirit, do you feel compelled towards something? Communion of the saints, one another. What do those that know you, love you, and love Jesus have to th- say about it? Number four, circumstantial signs. Do you see doors opening or closing? And number five, common sense. If you already speak Italian, Italy might be a good place to consider for ministry. And don't forget, you've got to adopt a posture of listening, and you've got to watch out for listening to God in only one of those areas. So let me talk for you, to you for a minute about what it would look like if you were interested in exploring missions. So here's a few thoughts from my world, ways that you could get involved and dip your toe in the water. So we saw the video, 10 This is a new program. This will be the second year of it. We're looking for college-age interns to spend 10 weeks in Europe. You'll spend the first week in the Alps, getting trained and oriented with everyone together. And then you'll go out in groups of four to 10 to work alongside existing ministries across Europe for eight weeks. By the way, you don't have to speak the language to do this in case you're already asking that question. At the end of that time, you'll come together and debrief uh, in Athens and in Corinth, tracing some of the steps of Paul, and then finally come together with the rest of the Gem Mission family, about 500, to see what's God doing across the rest of the continent? How's he working? It's a fantastic opportunity to try something and to see how the, the body of Christ operates around the world. Maybe you're looking for something a little more intense. Consider an internship, two to nine months. You want to get your world rocked, guys? You want to get stretched? Go work with refugees in Greece who fled their homes and risked their lives to escape to Europe. Hearing their stories and helping them will blow you away and stretch you in ways you cannot foresee. Maybe you're interested in something a little more than that. Mid- and long-term service. Come for a year or more. Get involved. Get to know the language. Get to know the culture. Get to know the people and how God loves them and wants to draw them to himself, or perhaps bivocational, get good training, get good job skills, and like Mike, get a job where you know that the job is only part of why you're there. You're there to be a, to be a missionary to whoever God puts you in touch with. Think about tithing a part of your life, but most importantly, think outside the box of what life should look like. So we started with three questions today. What is missions and why do it? What does a missional lifestyle look like for me? And what if God is calling me to do something outside the box or outside my box? So I think we've answered the first one. What is missions? We are commanded to be missionaries. It's a matter of obedience, gratitude, and generosity. What does missional lifestyle look like for me? Missions doesn't have to be overseas or vocational. It might be, but just live a life of intentionality for Christ wherever 
whatever the place and circumstances that God puts you, be a missionary wherever you are. Be like Mike. Number three, what if God's calling you to do something outside your box? If you think God's calling you to do something outside that box, take some small steps. Explore it and see if it's true. You know, I think sometimes God just wants us to be willing to ask the question. You can listen to that small voice and act on it, or you can ignore it, and eventually it will be harder and harder to hear. Because each time you ignore it, you numb yourself a bit more, your hearing is muted more and more. If you have questions or even feel like God might be prompting you to to do something, we'd love to help you think it through. My colleague Nicole and I are here and would love to chat with you about it. I've had some great conversations already this week. Feel free to grab us today or contact us later. Um, We'll be leaving this afternoon, but we are happy to talk to you afterwards as well. Likewise, Addie McCauley is here on campus and is actually a gym rep. She knows Europe, she knows missions, and she knows gym very well, and she's here to help you too. It has been an absolute honor to be here with you this week. Don't underestimate what God can do with you and in you. Live humbly, live intentionally, be willing to get out of your comfort zone and the box you thought life should look like, and of course, most importantly, live focused on Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are grateful for what you do for us. We can't thank you enough. We want to honor you. We want to be the best stewards we can be of the life you've given us, the opportunities, the resources. May we be be those good and faithful stewards. May we have the courage to follow you no matter what that is. May we look for opportunities to live intentionally for you and to know that we have a purpose here that goes beyond ourselves, our lives. Thank you, Lord. We love you.